Hi, this is Jimmy Cliche with I Speak the System, Chapter 4, Third Grade, The Big Move. We moved in July, right after second grade ended. We wanted a better house in a safer neighborhood, and my dad was making extra money from his second job, so we were able to find a nice place my parents could afford. The first summer we moved there, my mom sent Liz and I to a free day camp at the park down the street. I was almost eight and Liz was five, and we'd walk down the street and around the corner to the park together every day that summer. My parent, my time at day camp was part of my time in the system, as it was town-funded and kids from all over the area came together to play organized games, do crafts, and be social. I loved it some days, especially the crafts, but the older boys were bullies when we played games like dodgeball, always smacking me in the face with the ball. They called me Mr. Ed when I smiled, saying I looked like a horse. I always felt like they singled me out and picked on me any chance they got. I was ashamed to smile. I had a crush on the female camp counselors. They were teenagers and adored me. I didn't realize it was a crush back then, but I fantasized about them all the time and had teen dolls of them as well. One day my mom walked down to the park for some reason. I don't remember why, but she didn't usually do that. She was talking to the older girls and relating to them like they were adults. They asked my mom about our recent move to the neighborhood, and I tried to answer for her while climbing all over the playground equipment, saying things I heard my mom say about the other houses we almost moved to and what was wrong with them. I hadn't realized that the reason we were looking at houses with problems was because they were more affordable. One of the houses we almost moved to had a termite problem, I exclaimed and started to laugh. I didn't even know what termites were exactly, other than insects. My mom looked embarrassed and stressed out by me. She said, actually, that's the house we moved into. We had a good-sized yard that was big enough to set up a wiffle ball or kickball game with friends. There was a strip of woods behind the house that we always imagined was much bigger than it was, and we explored our little woods all the time despite my parents telling us not to. We had the day camp around the corner in the summer and friends in the neighborhood. A girl named Jessica, who I knew since nursery school, moved to the same neighborhood right before us. Her parents went to school with my parents, and her family had a pool where we went swimming and took private lessons. My, best, my mom's best friend, Kara, also moved right around the corner from us with her five kids, and there were dozens of other families with kids in our neighborhood, most of whom I played with at one point or another. There were a few families who looked down on us and didn't let their kids play, as well as the Smith family of nine children who were like a gang, and they were enemies of ours at the time. They used to steal our bikes, spray us with the hose on cold days, throw golf balls at us, whatever they could think of. They were creative. Two boys lived next door to us, and I was friends with the younger one that first summer. We played in his treehouse together, but his older brother and a bully named Spud made fun of him for playing with a girl, and he quickly turned into an enemy after that. I had Jessica, who was basically my new best friend, plus another girl, Bree, around the corner, who was a year older and had a paper route. We'd double ride on Bree's, on Bree's pink, huffy bike to do the route, which was technically further than I was allowed to go. I had intense guilt about having gone behind my parents' back, and I told on myself. 
My parents kept a close eye on the keep a close eye on us till this t- till this day. They put my sister Natalie on a leash attached to a clothesline as a toddler because she'd run out into the street when they weren't paying attention. That may have been a year or two later, though, as she was still an infant when we first moved in. I loved our new house at first, until I started school. I carpooled to school with with Jessica, her sister Liz, her brother, and my sister Liz. Jessica's mom drove us in an old maroon-colored Lincoln. I don't entirely remember my first day of third grade at that new school, which was supposed to be the best school in town, but both Jessica and my godmother's nephew, who were like family to me, were in my class, and neither of them acknowledged my existence after stepping foot into the classroom. It didn't take long for both of them to become immediately popular, and they left me to rot. There were several factors as to why I became quickly unpopular, and one of them being that at eight years old, I was going through puberty. I already needed a bra, and it made people uncomfortable. The girls were threatened by the fact that I was so far ahead of them, and the boys were attracted to me, but were at that stage where they'd let me know so by insulting me all day, every day. My mom would tell me, that's just how boys act. You should just laugh along with them instead of getting upset, because they'll just keep doing it if they know it upsets you. It may have had some truth to it, but what I heard my mother saying was that it was my fault I was being bullied because I couldn't laugh it off. I'd become emotionally unstable due to my abnormal hormones, and I usually cried when being made fun of. To make matters even worse, and what made me feel like my mom didn't understand the situation at all, was the fact that my third grade teacher was the biggest bully in my class. She encouraged the other kids to put me down and laugh at me. She was a sick person who actually did the same thing to one student every year. She'd quickly figure out who the weakest, most vulnerable kid was, the easiest target. That year it was me because of the puberty, which was visible, my speech problem, which was still an issue, and being the new kid at school who was slightly poorer and weirder than most of the other kids there. She'd tell me I was ugly, stupid, plain, had no potential, I was boring, dull, nothing special, not important, etc., She'd go out of her way to humiliate me if my fly was down and point it out in front of everyone, or if my desk was messy, she'd flip it upside down, dumping everything on the floor, and point at it, saying what a slob or pig I was. When the other kids did something bad, they knew to blame me because she'd never question it, but it was never me. The kids used to eat her fudge that she'd have on that she kept on her desk and told no one to touch. They'd steal it and eat it and say I did, but I never had a bite. I have never dared. If kids were whispering answers to each other during a test, she'd ask, who's talking? And they'd always say it was me. Every day I was blamed for something I didn't do. The first school I went to was a decent school, but they taught reading differently. Going from learning one way to another while being mildly dyslexic led to me having some difficulty in falling behind, which they just saw as me being stupid and put me in lower-level classes, losing interest in me because I didn't have any potential they could see. That all affected me deeply. 
I was placed in the mid-level groups in class for math and reading and watched as Jessica was placed in all the smart classes and seemed to do everything with ease. I stayed after school a lot because I was in trouble for things I didn't do. I was sometimes sent to the principal, and the principal didn't believe me either. I got horrible marks in conduct and received mostly C's for grades. I even got a C- in handwriting because I wrote like a boy, and that was the worst grade I'd ever received at that point. I'd come home from school crying every single day, but my mom was on the phone with her friends and I was an annoyance and a stress to her. She'd tell me I needed to grow thicker skin and not let it bother me, but she never listened or empathized with me. The teacher was saying I was bad and both of my parents were listening to my teacher and not me. They had no empathy for what I was going through. Both my parents were popular when they were in school and still are. They felt like there must be something wrong with me if I didn't if I couldn't fit in if I couldn't find a way to fit in. To this day, if I tell my mother that someone is judging me, her reaction is to imply that I must be doing something wrong. They never tried to get me placed in another class or something might have helped or or something that might have helped me get away from an abusive teacher. Instead, they listened to the the abusive teacher tell them that I was a useless piece of shit, and they basically agreed with her. I had one friend in class, a Jewish girl named Noelle, who marched to the beat of her own drum. We made plans to play together one day at my house, but the next time I asked her to play, she said she couldn't because our teacher called her parents and told them I was an evil child who would badly influence Noelle. We weren't allowed to hang out again after that until years later. There was one other kid in class who was nice to me, a kid named Charlie with curly blonde hair. I had a crush on him, and he was close friends with Noel, but he moved away after third grade. Everyone else was mean or ignored me. A new family moved into our neighborhood with a son my age and a few other kids. At first, the boy my age and I got along great, but in school, he, quick, he quickly became a bully and picked on me left and right everywhere I went. One day on a field trip, he was trying to pull my pants down, and I kicked him. He started crying, and I got in big trouble for it. My mom was pissed at me because his mom was rude to her at all the neighborhood events after that. I helped take care of my baby sister, Natalie, a lot. My mom would put her down in the basement with Liz and me to play so she could talk on the phone or get cleaning and cooking done. One time Natalie was whipping wooden blocks in my head and I couldn't get her to stop. I wanted my mom to come get her and I kept yelling, she's throwing blocks at my head. Mama, mama, can you come get her, please? My mom yelled down, I'm on the phone. So I tried to get Natalie to stop, but she kept doing it. I continued to yell up to my mom to come downstairs and make her stop. This went on for a good while before my mom finally finished her phone call and in a rage came running downstairs screaming at me, asking what the hell I was yelling about. She keeps throwing blocks at my head, I yelled. I meant Natalie, but my mom marched over to Liz and beat the shit out of her while my mouth just hung open horrified until I could get out the words, not Liz, the baby. I felt awful for having put Liz in that position, but she forgave me. 
We got our first computer that year, a PC of some sort that my dad's company gave him when apples were being taught in school. I spent a lot of time on my computer at home, which I had to know basic coding and all kinds of random shit to operate. Computers didn't do much back then. We didn't have the internet, but we had a few games and programs. We had a golf game, of course, because my dad loves golf. Jeopardy, which was also for my dad, but I attempted to play sometimes. A cookbook thing for my mom, and something called Print Shop and Print Shop Companion, which were popular programs for making greeting cards and banners. We got Print Shop once we realized our printer could print pictures. We were amazed by that. We made banners all the time for parties and events we threw. Back then, printer paper was attached in a long line of paper that we had to rip apart. So for banners, it would just print huge letters on each page and unfold into a stream sentence or phrase we could hang on the wall like a party decoration. We also had a program for writing and illustrating stories, which of course was what I spent most of my time doing on the computer. Our fanciest game was called The Black Cauldron, which was an early adventure game that was supposed to be a big thing at the time. Gaming like that was pretty much brand new, other than in arcades and the Atari, which we also had. Someone at my dad's work hacked all the Atari games, put them on microchips, and designed an imitation metal game cartridge with a lever. We'd put the mini game chips that looked like centipedes into place on the fake cartridges and then stick that into the slot where the official game cartridges would usually go. We didn't have a single official game cartridge, but we had almost all the games in Atari's existence on tiny chips. Some of them had glitches and didn't work well, but that was the case with the cartridges people bought too. One of the Smith kids was coming over to play with me a lot, but she was always mean. My mom informed me that she was using me for the computer, and we stopped hanging out when I realized she was right. Some aspects of my life were good, but third grade in school was hell for me. By the end of the year, I was suicidal. I was still only eight years old and didn't want to be alive anymore. My teacher truly damaged me. Between the combination of everything changing so much, going through puberty that was making me into something I didn't want to be and wasn't ready for, and then being emotionally tortured every day by my teacher and all my peers, I lost hope. I broke. I stopped being a child. I was already a child who never believed in Santa Claus. As early as four years old, I stopped believing, because I could sense I was being lied to. I've always had a sense of that, being lied to. Of course, the people I don't trust have always conditioned me to believe I can trust them, making everything more confusing. I have no memory of believing in Santa, though. I only remember all the years I was told I had to lie about it because my peers and siblings still believed. Early on, taught by society to lie. Not that I think Santa was such a horrible lie, but to teach me that I had to lie to keep others protected from the truth has always felt fucked up to me. I was one, it was one of the issues in fourth grade when I first got sent to therapy. Not the Santa thing, which I accepted, but my parents worrying about what I might be telling my therapist about them. They made me feel like I had to protect them and make them look good. And they'd always punish me if, I, if they felt I made them look bad. It was a burden early on.